It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody, Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Padres reporter, A.J. Casavell. A.J., last week we talked about Trevor Hoffman and his chances of getting into the Hall of Fame and how close it looked like it was going to be when it came down to it. We also talked about the fact that maybe he would get a slight increase towards the end where most players drop off on ballots, and sure enough, we nailed it. 79.9% is enough. Hoffman goes into the Hall of Fame. It's been about a week now since that happened, but I wanted to get into it because we haven't spoken about it here on the podcast. Um, obviously, um, an all-time Padre. If you did a Mount Rushmore of Padres, is he clearly on there? Obviously, Tony Gwynn is the number one guy, but is uh, is Hoffman right there in the top couple? Hoffman's number two. Yeah. Uh, I think he's just so beloved around here i mean i know he, he ended his career in milwaukee but he's kind of viewed as a as a san diego guy through and through he's from southern california i think one of the one of the biggest things uh something he made prominent in his in his press conference after being elected was uh the, the kind of pride that he thought the city of san diego and the padres fans should take or the pride he hoped they would take in him being inducted it, it clearly i mean obviously he's excited to be in the hall of fame but it clearly wasn't all about him, and 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 it was about the team and the and the city and and what he can possibly represent. Obviously, it's a city that lost its NFL franchise last year, and and they they kind of fans here kind of want something to something to be excited about. And now they have a chance to go to Cooperstown, uh, support one of their all time one of their all time greatest players, um, and a very deserving Hall of Famer in my opinion. Obviously, uh, there's there's been some debate, but uh, he's he's. He's number two on the all-time closers list, and I think it's uh, there's there's a very good case to be made that he's that he's uh, one of the most dominant pitchers of the generation. And I think one case that maybe came out of this a little bit when you look at the ballots and everything and players that that didn't make it into the Hall of Fame is I feel like Hoffman getting in and and four people getting in in general this year. Um, if you look at Billy Wagner's numbers and Hoffman's, there's a lot of similarities there. Obviously, the saves aren't close as far as Hoffman goes, but a lot of the other numbers, you could say Wagner has the better numbers. He didn't do it for as long, um, but he was dominant at a time. Do you think Hoffman getting in, and obviously we're going to have Mariano Rivera go in next year, that's pretty much a lock. Do you think at some point these closers getting in are going to help Billy Wagner and and you're going to start to see his numbers climb? I think his numbers probably should climb. He was obviously he was a dominant pitcher in his own right. Uh, I think the longevity thing is something that that I'm sure voters hold against him. Hoffman did it for a little bit longer. He racked up some better, I guess, counting stats. Um, the one thing I'll say is is Hoffman was was kind of front and center of of a lot of the the closer talk, and I know that a lot of that's made made up kind of by the media. One stat: win probability added, uh, which is which which is ultimately a product of the situations you're put in, but it essentially quantifies how much you affect your team's wins based on, based on, I guess, at bat by at bat, how much did you getting a guy out help your team win versus how much did him getting whatever kind of hit hurt your team winning. Trevor Hoffman is, as a product of him pitching in the ninth inning, obviously, 
uh, for so long is right up among, I, wanted, I don't know exactly where he is, but he's somewhere around like 17th or 18th all time. And that means he was front and center at some incredibly stressful, important moments in baseball games. He got the job done in those situations. And so he's kind of, he, that, that to me is what, is what sets him apart kind of in that like iconic closer type role is, is the job that he did for so long in so many situations. I know his, his people, people go by war, his war is a high, no relief pitcher's war is going to be very high, save for Mariano Rivera. But I mean, ultimately going back to Billy Wagner, Billy Wagner was a dominant relief pitcher too. He didn't do it for as long, but I would not be, I wouldn't mind seeing his numbers climb. He was, he was a fantastic pitcher. I just think uh, there's, there's a couple smaller, smaller discrepancies that maybe that put, put Hoffman in, in a higher class. Yeah, it seems like maybe maybe closers and relievers are starting to get a little more uh, attention as far as the Hall of Fame. We will see. Obviously, Hoffman and Myron Rivera are all-timers, and, and they kind of skew that a little bit. All right, the top 100 prospects list came up on Saturday night. As expected, the Padres really one of the teams that dominates the list. They didn't have the most players. The Braves had eight. The Padres tied with the White Sox with seven players in the top 100. But when it goes to prospect points, which is something that uh, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo put together, where number one prospect gets 100 points, number 299, number 398, down the list they go. The Padres easily won that competition. One big reason, because a lot of their top prospects are in the upper half of that top 100 prospects list, including six in the top 50. Fernando Tatis Jr., number eight. Mackenzie Gore, 19. Luis Urias, 36. Cal Quantrill, 40. Baez, 42. Adrian Morahone, 50. I mean, it's, it's not just that they have a bunch of prospects, AJ. It's that they're the that top of the top list. And they're guys. And the, the other thing that stands out to me is the, of those guys, and there's obviously other guys on the list, is the fact that it's a nice mix-up of guys that have been in the lower levels and are a couple of years away and guys that are knocking on the door. Yeah, they've done a really good job at, at, at that. And they call it in San Diego the, what the front office has been calling it for a while is, is waves of talent coming to San Diego. The idea is that one group of prospects comes and then the next group comes and they complement that first group. And then another group comes and they complement that group. You can kind of see it happening with, with what's going on with the pitching staff right now. You have a, yes, some young guys, Lamette and Perdomo who are potentially going to be complemented by Quantrill and then down the road, Mackenzie Gore and, and Adrian Morihone, Michelle Baez. They've done a good job at, at that. I think the most interesting thing with these rankings is for the last two years, we kind of heard that the Padres, the Padres didn't have as much representation in the top 100, but we had heard, wow, their system is so deep. Their system is so deep. They have so many guys that some of them have to, some of them are going to pan out. And now you're kind of seeing a result of that with these top 100 prospects, with, with guys rising to the top, guys like Tatis, uh, Luis Urias, um, uh, Michelle Baez. None of them were, none of them were very high a, a year or two ago on the list, and now they're they're all in the top 50. But that depth is still in the system. And so um, I, I know our, our pals, uh, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, talk a lot about prospect points, how they're not, they're not like the, the definitive ranking of how good a, a, a team's system is. They just tell you how well represented you are in the top 100. But I also know that the Padres are number one in that aspect, but their depth of their system hasn't been compromised at all. They still have a, they still have a very deep system with some guys who, who I wouldn't be surprised if, if a guy like a shortstop Gabriel Arias or some of these younger guys who aren't known yet make the same kind of jumps that these guys did from two years ago to now, maybe in a year or two we'll be seeing some of these other young prospects make similar jumps. And so the system is still as deep as it's ever been, but it also kind of has the top talent uh, to boot. And I don't think, 
I think you can make a very serious argument that it's the best farm system in baseball. I don't do a whole lot of looking at uh, at other teams' farm systems, but this one, it, it I find it hard to believe there's a better one than this one. The top 30 per team list will be coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, and one thing I've learned about that is you talk to Mayo and Callison. For some teams, they get to 20 to 30, and you're kind of struggling to find guys that you want to put in there, that you believe in enough to put in there. Uh, Mike Rosenbaum, who actually handles the Padres system for Pipeline, said that he can comfortably go 50 players deep in the <laughs> Padres system and have good things to say about those guys. I mean, it is impressive on the depth side as well. One guy who's no longer on those lists is Manuel Margot, although he was a year ago, but now he's played enough in 2017. Obviously, uh, rookie status behind him, um, but the future still bright. Um, you look at his rookie campaign, AJ, and you have a feature up on the website right now. Um, offensively, he was pretty good. Defensively, he was great. But it seems like he's still a guy that's got years of getting better ahead of him. Yeah, if you look at his rookie season through the context of the fact that he's only 22 years old, it's, it's really pretty impressive. And I don't think the numbers don't jump off the page at you. I mean, he, he, he wasn't really in the rookie of the year conversation. I think he finished sixth. But... The fact that he's a, he's a 22-year-old who got handed the keys to an everyday job playing center field and the kind of the way he thrived, and I think the most, most impressively, he never, never went into a prolonged slump. Anytime, anytime he, went, he went 0 for 5 one day, 0 for 4 the next day, you kind of think, oh, maybe something's wrong. He'd come out, smack a single into right field, and go 2 for 4. And, and so the Padres gave him a lot of responsibility. They put him at the top of the lineup. They put him in center field. Uh, and he he handled it pretty well. He hit he hit for more power than they thought. Now there's there's they'd probably like to see a higher stolen base total. They'd like to see a higher average. They'd like to see a higher on base percentage. But he's 22 years old, and they expect all those things to to kind of come. And and if you look at, I think uh, defensively, the first half of the season he was he was probably above average, but he wasn't great. But he was kind of battling a, a, a calf injury where he, that he missed some time with. The second half of the season, he could have the defense he played in center field was was Gold Glove caliber. And I think if if he if he keeps putting putting defensive performances like he did the second half of last season on display, he said he he said he wants to win a Gold Glove. I I don't doubt his potential to do so. He's he's that good of a defender in center field. He's he breaks quickly on the ball. He's athletic enough to make plays. One area I'd like to see him improve a little bit on is is kind of by the wall. Uh, there were there were a couple plays that he he didn't look comfortable with. He made I wouldn't call them drops, but just just plays where uh, I guess the wall converges on him maybe a little too soon or too late, and he and he didn't know exactly where he was. But he's 22. He has time to improve on all these things. Uh, what we saw last season should I, and I know it does. It should have Padres fans all over uh, very excited. All right, before we wrap things up, I did want to mention that obviously uh, a sad week. For Padres fans a lot in the Padres organization in general, Kevin Towers, former general manager, former longtime general manager, and he also came up through the Padres system, passes away at 56 years old. Cancer, um, obviously um, cancer, terrible. Um, we see it all the time. But you weren't covering the team when Kevin Towers was there, AJ, but he's kind of left a, I don't know if legacy is the right word, but he's he's left his mark on that organization years after he left it for, for another team. Yeah, and, and it's obviously an incredibly sad week for the Padres. He, he meant a lot. And you talk to anyone in the organization uh, over the past couple of years, and I, when, when you bring up his name, they, they kind of instantly a smile comes to their face. He was, he was that, that kind of guy where when you think of him, you, you just, you, I guess you just enjoyed being around him. I only interacted with him once or twice. But um, 
it's it's a, it's a very sad day. There's so many people kind of in the organization who are affected by him. I know Trevor Hoffman in his Hall election speech he, or in his uh, press conference after being elected to the Hall of Fame, he got a little choked up mentioning Kevin Towers, and he could bring KT a little bit of joy um, with everything that he was going through with, with the announcement that uh, that he was in the Hall of Fame and how that, that really meant a lot uh, to Trevor. So obviously uh, an, an, an incredibly sad Sad week and uh, really kind of a kind of a tough off season in San Diego with the passing of uh, Dick Enberg and Rob Picciolo, uh, so former coach. So uh, it's uh, it's it's sad the news about Kevin Towers, but he clearly had a huge impact on so many people in San Diego. Yeah, and he went from San Diego, briefly spent time with the Yankees, and obviously he had an impact on Arizona as well. A great baseball life for Kevin Towers ended too soon as he passes away at the age of fifty six. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Padres edition. For AJ Casavell, I'm Tim McMaster. <laughs> Tune in again next time.